All right, everybody, on today's episode, I met my brother from another mother who makes me look less intense. And that's saying something, because I'm pretty self-aware of how intense I am, and I mean this with so much love. I received one of the best compliments the other day when I was coaching um, a a new dear friend uh, and having conversation with two incredible women, uh, Natalie and Anna. If you're listening to this, appreciate you both. And uh, they reflected back to me that, they would describe what I do as being uh, like one of the most like integrous integrators at a deep level. And with today's episode with John, um, I met this man and was immediately, immediately like called, attracted and felt safe to his energy, which he's actually in an industry that uh, typically challenges me a little bit, but like there's something about him resonated with me. And once we connected, I realized like we kind of have the same story, the same wounds with very different wrapping papers. And I got him. And I'm saying this to frame this episode because this episode was incredible and we talked fast and there's a lot of nuggets in it. But I realized that I don't know a lot like to mastery. I know a lot to be dangerous, but I know enough that if I integrate it every day through my actions and state of being, that I will learn all of it and master it. And it's been working incredibly well. And so there's people in this world where I'm like, hey, listen to what they're saying. Like, listen, listen, listen. Then there's other people I'm like, hey, watch what they're doing. Like, just watch how they live. Watch how they operate. Watch how consistent and congruent it is. Like, watch how literally omnipresent they are and they feel like watch them do the work right and that's one of these people and for me john is somebody to listen to because this episode is loaded we talk about anxiety at a level of mastery for entrepreneurs with some book recommendations that literally kind of was like therapeutic for me and i was like holy moly and we riffed back and forth because he dealt with a ton of anxiety so did i uh we talked about uncovering the bad habits that created the anxiety and depression how to change your relationship with it, um, how to help your nerves, the book recommended, um, undoing people pleaser, becoming a leader. And uh, this episode really challenged me and, and forced some perspective in a way that I was like, holy moly, I get to go back into the gym in this area. I get to go back in the gym in there, sir. And so this episode is a gift for me. And so I'm really, really excited. So um, that's what I'd say. So I'm going to say buckle up for this one. It might be a listen twice or listen on 0.75 because him and I both talk really, really fast, but this episode is loaded with nuggets and gems and tools, distinctions to implement immediately that will benefit absolutely everybody. So I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I can't wait to hear what you say. Shoot us a DM. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Cause this is the mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, to say I'm excited about this podcast is a little bit of an understatement. Truth be told, I had to prep myself because I knew the moment I got on a show with this guy, I was going to be ready to like go at a different level because we might be cut from the same cloth, same area, same blood, same story, but like every ounce of today's guest like just oozes authenticity, 
alignment, groundedness, and really, really puts in the work, leads for the right reason, and is a master at doing many, many things. And I'm probably the most excited because I feel like today's guest is going to make me feel very seen, very understood. And we are going to rock it on a ton of topics and a ton of things that people can genuinely benefit from. But I'd say one of the core ones is like really this undesiring wave and desire to win framing your way in the game and understanding that you are the only one who can get you there. And like today's guest is like a walking embodiment of that. I've had the time to internet stalk him like the professional that I am. And now I've got to connect with him and he's a new father and we just instantly bonded. So I feel like I'm adding a Jersey rotation to my trip to go hang out with today's incredible guests. And so without further ado, I would like to welcome John Vigero to the show. So John, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, my man. I really appreciate it, dude. And I'm so jacked up. I think we're both in the gym after this one. I know. I'm like, I'm glad I've reduced my caffeine intake today. And it's not at like the normal level because it might break people's eardrums and, and everything, man. But I, I gotta say, like, I think one of the things that as, as soon as I was reviewing the notes and as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my God, I have to ask because you have a story that is like such a good origin story, right? It's the makings of like a superhero story, but it's also driven in purpose and driven in something bigger. And I absolutely love it. And so just for everybody listening, because I was like super inspired learning it and hearing about it, can you just kind of tell everybody kind of where you started, what even got you into this game? And then we'll get to kind of where you are now if you want to lead us there. But I'm like, I'm like ready to listen and go to church, my friend. I love it, man. Thank you. Um, dude, your enthusiasm get me jacked up. One thing I will tell you, believe it or not, I, I don't drink caffeine. When you said you lowered your caffeine dosage. Now, I'm just super high energy to begin with. And when I have coffee, dude, it's like literally, like, I let, when I drink it, there's actually like, there's, there's uh, coffee in my creamer. That's how much, like, I like it light and sweet if I do ever have it. But the one thing I will say is that um, I just, I just literally, Feel. When I look at my story, dude, I feel like I think back and I look at when I was 17, when I was just getting started with this and, you know, it, it came out of a situation where, you know, my family, my dad, you know, was the primary breadwinner of my family, the oldest of five kids. Um, and my mom was always a career woman and then she started having more kids and wanted to stay home. And my dad came to me and, you know, he was like, dude, listen, you know, we're in a position where, you know, we could potentially lose the house, right? And to backtrack, he and, and alcohol, alcoholism is big in my family, right? Like him, grandfather on both sides, like alcoholism is a real big thing. So I had to step up when I was probably like nine, 10 years old when my, when my youngest brother was born. And because he was out, you know, the bar doing stuff and you know, whatever after work, you know, I had to discipline my siblings and I had to be the one to be the bad guy or whatever. And so when he came to me at 17, at that point, I'd already, I'd already been in that role, not knowing it, but connecting the dots backwards. I was already prepped to be a leader because I, I was put in that position to have to like discipline and, and like, you know, motivate and inspire my siblings to listen to my mother when my dad wasn't around. And anyway, so he said this to me and I was like, you know, what can I do? And in a nutshell, he came back and was like, listen, you know, at that time I had already been kind of giving him some money to try to help with the bills and this and that. You know, I, was, I was a lifeguard, I was an ocean lifeguard. You know, I was, um, you know, do, I worked at Best Buy, I was a busboy every Tuesdays. And I was just giving them cash and stuff that I would make and, you know, it wasn't helping enough. And uh, anyway, long story short, you know, he was like nothing. And so I was like, okay. So I remember going home, you know, being in my room 
and on my little Dell laptop, I'm Googling like, what can I do to make like 70K? I was like, I don't know why I picked that number, but I picked 70K and I was like, like you know, in high school, 17 year old. And I found a couple of things that popped up. One was an air traffic controller, but I was too young, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> the, the other two uh, that I found were just like totally not my vibe. And then I saw a website freelancer. Like it just like popped up. Like and it was like you can be your own boss, you can work your own hours, whatever. But also it's like it can be extremely lucrative off of this one blog I saw. So I was like intrigued. So I started Googling, looking things up. And eventually I taught myself how to start coding. And I went door to door in brick. So I, I grew up in brick uh, down the shore here. And I remember telling them, like, I'm going to figure this out with whatever. So I started this business because I, and I didn't have a plan B. That's the biggest thing, George. I had no plan B. I was like, dude, I'm old and I'm this. There's no plan B. And at the time, because I knew I was all excited. I was like, all right, start a business. I got all my buddies. I had like three or four of my buddies. But I'm like, guys, we're going to do this. And they were like, all right, cool. Literally all of them quit on me after the first two weeks because we were door knocking and phone cold calling. And nobody would, nobody would give us a time of that. So... Fast forward, you know, I, I got out there. I got one yes. It took me three months in the winter to get my first yes here. And that was like the game changer for me. And that's why I love like even communicating with people like you because it almost feels like you're in an AA meeting for entrepreneurs, right? And most entrepreneurs, dude, have fucked up journeys in the beginning. Yes. And that's how they got on the path. And I didn't realize that. I thought I was just the only guy that was dealing with my dad's stuff and this and that, whatever. You know, not having money, being on food stamps and stuff. And fast forward, I meet my first client and I'm talking to him. And this guy had the craziest story, you know, and, and way worse than mine, you know. And, and he, boom, here he is, a business owner, employing people, helping the community, giving back. And I'm like, damn, I'm like, there's people out there fucked up like me. Yeah. So I'm like, this is great. And, and fast forward, you know, to, to kind of give you the long story short version, you know, I want to get my parents out of that situation financially. So, so I got them out of that position, um, you know, took care, took care of the house. And from that point, when I did that, now I'm sitting here, you know, I was probably close to like 18. So I was, I was grinding for like, you know, a year or so. And I'm like, I love this. And like, I'm, in, I'm like about to graduate high school and I'm like, do I need to go to college? And, and so I'm not, I want to not, I went to Ocean County college for like half of the semester to try to get business information out and like take a business course. And I want to drop in because the, the professor's a dickhead. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward, you know, um, now, you know, we serve entrepreneurs in 20 countries around the world, um, ranging from a solopreneur all the way up to a Fortune 500 client. And, you know, we are here. So, like, what, what the passion changed for me was at first I started with websites. So, I'm building out these websites for these people. And, you know, and what I'm hearing is, oh, you know, revenue is an issue. Or, you know, people don't know my name. So what we shifted from being a company that's like just building websites and then eventually just doing SEO and just doing some marketing stuff to, you know, over the past like probably like seven years, we shifted to really focused around driving revenue with data-driven, uh, you know, methods as well as building a brand. So, you know, that's, that's where we are now. And, you know, we have offices in Jersey, in the Freedom Tower in New York, formerly, you know, the World Trade Center, you know, the Twin Tower area. Um, we are in the UK, in Kensington, um, and then Coral Gables, Miami. Nice. But that's the, that's, that's the now situation. Yeah, dude, um, I have so much to ask you already. And so I want to, I want to hit a pause. So first, actually, when you were talking about it, you reminded me, one of my dear friends, uh, somebody I love dearly, Bo Eason, uh, incredible story, but he wrote this incredible book called there's no plan B for your A game. 
And I'm going to tell this mm. story because I feel like you'll appreciate this. And for everybody listening, Please. when John just referenced like there was no plan B, like this is a big, big part of this game. But Bo, Bo grew up in like middle America. Bo's like 5'11". He was like 150 pounds soaking wet. And when he became a freshman in high school, like as, as a young kid, that was like eighth grade. He decided that he wanted to draw a picture on a piece of paper and he wrote like, I'm going to be the only NFL player from my high school. Right. Like and we're talking like scrawny white kid. No one in his school, no one in his high school, no one had ever been drafted into any professional sport whatsoever. And he like made it his mission and vision and he wrote it on a piece of paper. You go around and turn out. Bo goes through high school and not only does Bo get drafted, three other kids from his team that he led got drafted into the NFL and the first ones ever wow. from his school. And like Bo on a good day, I think is like 5'11". He was like 185. And he ended up having an entire career in the NFL thinking that that was it. And then here's the craziest part. And this is the part that got me. When he got out, he realized that it was something else for him. And he wanted to be able to speak and inspire people. So he did it again. And he decided to design a play where he was the lead, the writer, and the performer and ended up getting to be coached by Al Pacino and giving a Broadway play on his story after the NFL as a performer with like the same thing. And now his son, Axel, and I don't remember how old Axel is right now, but I think he's 16 or 17. He is most likely going to be a double drafted football and baseball or football and basketball athlete. I don't remember which one, but literally Stop it. from this early age and the book is called, there's no plan B for your a game. And I'm telling you, like he is one of the most incredible, mm-hmm. like the best dynamic speaker. He's a speaker coach now, but like the, the essence and the fabric of it, of like what you spoke about, like just reminded me of it. Now I have a question for you and this is personal for me, right? I right. grew up very similar to you, except the internet didn't exist when I was a kid. Right. Right. And right. so, you know, my situation with my family is like social services came in at 13 and took us and I wasn't right. having any of it. And I was like, fuck mm. you. If you think you're going to be my parent after <laughs> what I'm coming through. Right. But I realized like I look back now and I look at like my parents' choices and they were like alcoholics and drug addicts and things like that. And they were doing the best that they could. But there was like something in me that I could never explain. And it was like this deep knowing that I wanted something different. I didn't know how, I didn't know what, but there was like this thing of like, I shouldn't be here. Did you always have that? Or have you ever thought about that? Because like at 17 years old, to be able to be like, all right, cool. I want to help my dad. But then while going through high school to get online, to figure out what it is, to door knock in the middle of a Jersey shore winter, which by the way, everybody's like the Arctic freeze, especially when the wind blows. Right. And like going, going, going. And like, you're bringing people with you and they're like, no, I'm out. I quit. I'm boom. And like, you keep knocking. Like, where did that come from for you? Like, what is that for you? I I just want to say something. I don't know why you're talking. Just, I want to acknowledge that. Like, dude, you're, you're, you're such a, you're such a great person. You're a beautiful soul because of what happened to you. Right. And I think the one thing that most people don't realize, I'm going to chills right fucking now, G, is that most people, what they don't realize is that in the circumstances that we feel in the trenches that suck and that we hate, I said to myself so many times, like, why I've, I've had some really, really bad and deep conversations with my father, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of his situation. And, you know, I think I remember being like, why the fuck was I stuck with this dad? Right? Like, why did I get stuck with this dad? But you know what, though? 
again, I love this Steve Jobs quote where he goes, you can never connect the dots looking forward only looking back. So when I look at it now and I think about, I look at my son and I look at, you know, my, my company, I look at my siblings and my, my wife, like all, everything he did, right? In that moment, you said it perfectly. Our parents, anybody who was a parent out there, right? Again, some are shitheads, yeah. okay? But at the end of the day, you, if you're getting that, you needed a shithead, right? And you needed somebody to make you who you are. And I'm using a bad reference, I'm a poor reference, but you know, they're like, not everybody's meant to be a great parent and they're doing the best they can, right? Or they just simply don't care. But the point though is, is if I am going to be grateful, if somebody said to me that, you know, dude, you're self-made, I can't believe what you built, blah, blah, blah. And I remember any time I've ever heard that, George, in the past, I'd be like, yes, like, dude, I fucking don't, I never take a dollar from anybody. And I don't owe any debt, you know, on my company. Everything I did was self-funded. I made money, put it back in. And, you know, but somebody said that to me recently, like, I think like two weeks, three weeks ago. And they were like, on an interview, they're like, dude, you know, you're self-made or whatever. And I was like, dude, honestly, I'm not self-made. Like, my dad crafted me. Yep. And I hated him for it. But he fucking crafted me yep. with the shit that he put me through and my family. And I guess, you know, again, full circle. So did I have those moments where like, why am I in this situation? The poor me card? Yes. It's because at the time I didn't grow up in a household where, you know, I great my when my dad was around, loving dude, funny as hell, great dude, just had a problem like, like most people. Yeah. My mom is freaking saint, right? Yep. So so the, the whole thing is yeah, at the end of the day, I, I found myself in a position thinking like but why am I here while I'm here? I didn't grow up in them. Like, they were people who were just like doing the best they could, like you said. But the thing is, is that I didn't have parents that were like, dude, change your mentality. Like, you can't be thinking that way. And that's part of like, you know, with me and my son and now having, I want to have a big family. It's like, if I had that, I would have went back and been like, dude, you're good. But like, did I think that way in the beginning? Of course. It's like, why am I in this position? What the hell? I didn't understand it. Like yeah, but at like, seven, I didn't, I didn't think it but at seventeen, to even 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 if you're living in the like why, right? Like why, right? It's probably Parkinson's law. Like you got put into a position where no matter, irregardless of how you felt, your desire to be out of that situation was greater than the situation itself, right? And like I never understood totally. this looking backwards because it's so interesting now because I've done so many podcasts and I'm almost. I'm not embarrassed, right? But I've grown so much to listen to the shows like 10 years ago. I was like, what was your life like? And I was like, oh, I was sexually abused. And my parents did this. And now I'm like, I am so grateful for my father because in the process of all of that, though, he was also one of the most hardworking, committed men. And no matter how big the addiction was, he would never sacrifice a relationship with somebody. He would go into withdrawals to give me money if I needed it. He would take the shirt off his back to suffer. And so when you're able to have gratitude, and to focus your mindset, you learn that like this is where all the lessons come from. This is where you get the perspective. And I know one of the things for you and, and one of the things that I love is like mindset, right? Like I understand this at a very, very deep level. And for everybody listening to this, your psychology affects your physiology and the other mm-hmm. way around, right? How you think, how you tune in. And Sharon Lecter says this and she wrote out Wedding the Devil and she's a friend of mine, but she's like your thoughts dictate your words and those dictate and align your actions, right? And you're somebody that literally when people come across, when they feel it, it's like, holy moly, like you are so confident and clear that everybody borrows it from you, right? Like what is your relationship with like your mindset? Like, like how did you get here? 
why do you focus on it so much? Like I'm, I'm actually just innately curious to hear how you view this and how you think about this, because it, it's incredible to witness from this side over. And so I'd love to hear mm -hmm. your thoughts on that. I think the best way I could simply put it is that I don't believe in reality. And let me unpack that. Yes. Because I don't believe in, I'm not, I'm not logical. I'm like the complete, I'm the complete opposite of logical. And I think that's, that's a character trait for most entrepreneurs or people who do something worthy that is, whether it's nonprofit based, whether it's charity based, whether it's giving back. Um, and I think for me, where I look at that, you know, unlogic and, and, un, and being unrealistic, I think I just, I have a lot of confidence in what I can achieve. And, and growing up, I was a shy kid, but I think the thing is, is like, as I've gotten older and seen what I'm capable of, I, dude, I put my stock in me, right? Like I love Har Harmozy. I don't know if you know Harmozy, I'm sure you do, but he always talks about the, the S&P 500. So the S&P, because you have all these people now who are younger that are like, oh, I'm investing, I'm investing, I'm investing, I'm investing. Like my 21, my 20 year old brother is like, oh, I'm buying crypto. I'm like, dude, don't fucking buy crypto. Like, you know, literally invest in yourself. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I think that's it for me. I think it's just that simple. It's like, it comes down to, I'm really, really confident in what I can achieve. And I'm also extremely okay with bumping into the guardrails. Like when I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a stupid example. And this is what I identified as well myself. During COVID, I just, I told my wife, I'm getting a boat because like we're stuck in the house. I want to be out of the water. Like, and you know, she was like, oh, for years, she was like, oh, we don't need it. We don't need it. You're too busy. We're not going to use it. So finally I convinced her, I'm like, I'm doing it. Like we're doing, we're going, we're going to go. But I got, I told her, I'm going to a small, like dinky one first. And if I like it, I'm going to upgrade. Right. So she's like, Whatever, cool. So the first day I get in the boat, the, the most scary part about when you first get a boat and become a captain is what can you hit and what can you fuck up and how much is it going to cost, yep. right? Yep. And I remember the first day I get out there, I'm driving river, and there's this place in Jersey called FCO, okay? And FCO is where all these boats dock up in literally the shape of it's like this massive shape of that all around shore. And I'm there the first time. It's literally my second or third day on the boat. And you shouldn't be only going to this type of spot because of how tightly packed these boats are in if you have experience. So I'm going and I'm sitting there and my wife's freaking out. We're all with our friends and she's like, what if we hit somebody? You know, what if we ruin somebody's boat? And I remember looking at her and I go, that's why we have insurance, right? Like that's what it's for. And I actually wound up hitting somebody. Yep. I hit somebody's boat. I tapped somebody's boat. Yep. And I remember at the end of the day, that's my mentality with a lot of things in life where it's like, it's okay if I fuck up. I don't believe like when Johnny, my son, is old enough, and we have more kids, only four or five kids, God willing. But the thing is, is at my table, we're gonna talk about and celebrate what we tried and any failures. Because failures, to me, the definition of a failure is not the same for other people. Failure to me is okay. We tried something, didn't work. Let's get back up. Let's get back up. The only what people equate to failure in my language is when they walk away from something. Yeah. That is that is below failure to me. Because right? yeah. failure is a great thing. Thomas Edison failed 9,999 times. And if he didn't do it one more time, we wouldn't have a light bulb, right? Or maybe, maybe not as quickly as we did. Yeah. But look at that example. So I think that's that would be it for me. Yeah, well, I think now, like, what's really, really interesting is, like, looking back, like, I'm 40, and one of the jokes I say when I keynote now, I'm like, how many of you have ever read a fortune cookie? 
right? And like saved the message, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, cool. Right. How many of you can remember reading one like at least 10 years ago? They're like, yeah. I'm like, how many of you wish that you believed it every day until today? And like every hand stays up, right? Like it, right. it's so interesting. Like even your example, like coming back because I've had the same experience. Like I remember the moment in my life where the first time like something happened, I'm like, oh, we have insurance, right? And now people come yeah. to my events and I get ang- I get angry, elevated, and I threw a microphone through the chandelier at the hotel and everyone like stops <laughs> in the event. And I was like, what? That's what insurance is for. Let's go, right? And <laughs> I would love to hear your perspective on this because I feel like the confidence that I have in trying things came from because as a kid, just like you at a very early age, I didn't have another option but to keep going until it worked. But it was all of those experiences that didn't build confidence in me that like every time I touched something, it was going to get the dream result. It built confidence in Mm. me knowing that every time I touched something, I wouldn't stop until I created the dream result because I was willing to lurk at it, right? And for me, yeah, very similar to you, when I started as an entrepreneur, I was a Marine for 13 years, right? And I planned on doing 30 years and handing out fucking smiley face stickers at Walmart. Like that was my goal, except when you get seven traumatic brain injuries and almost lose your legs and they're like, hey, you're unfit for service. I kind of accidentally became an entrepreneur, but like it was so early, I had to make a fake college email server to make a fake college email address to get a Facebook account so I could post recipes on the internet as a food blogger. And mind you, I'd never cooked before, right? But I look back at those experiences and I kind of want to, it's probably like a two-part question. I look back and like I realize now, like every time somebody asks me a question or they think it's so hard in their business. I have this deep knowing that it's not because I only learned by trying everything. Like I built the websites, I totally. took the photos, I did the social media. Right. And I feel like I see this aversion all the time to getting your hands dirty or you get them dirty and you stick in it and never pivot, right? And you're like, oh, this is who I am forever, right? And so right. do you find that to be true for you, which I believe is yes. But then my second part of that question is knowing that, right? You have literally gone from 17 years old, winters in New Jersey, helping my dad who didn't want the money to getting them out of debt to now running a company in over 20 countries with four remote offices and shifted, shifted. And if I looked at that from the top down, there's probably 500 pivots in there. And one Mm -hmm. of the mistakes that I see more than anything, and I'm sure you see this as well, is that there's this relationship with, whoa, just because I'm doing it this way, this is the only way I can do it. I have to keep doing this forever. But right. my success in yours, and, and I'm even going through this now, I'm redoing the business, I'm redoing the models, how I make offers. But I have this like loving relationship with pivoting now that I didn't have before and you do as well. So is that something that you've always seen? Or like, how do you know when it's time to pivot? Or hey, I know that we're doing this, but we need to make an adjustment. Like, how's your relationship been with that? I'm, I'm extremely self-aware. And I keep people around me that keep me honest and keep my company honest. And so when things are not going to par, I know, I, I know about it in my gut, but if I don't, I have people around me that'll be like, boom, flagging this shit up, dude. What the hell's going on here? Like right now, we just made a massive pivot in adapting social. Like we made a major restructure of the entire organization. And I heard something when I was younger that said, you know, big company, big ships turn slow, right? Big companies, so they can't pivot. That's why they fail. Yep. And with me, part of our DNA is is being agile. Like 
dude, it's so important to be agile and to run. Like I love Steve Jobs again on 17 reading his like biography and stuff, so biography and shit. Like he talked about how he ran and he left Tim in charge running Apple like a small business. Like there's no way, like we're not this big corporate company, you know, the biggest company almost in the world, the biggest reserves. So with me, there's two things I look at. One, from a business perspective, right? I always look at the blood, which is the revenue, right? And the profitability. People get in business to, to make a couple dollars um, and they typically don't know the art to actually be an entrepreneur, which is you have to net good money. You yeah. cannot be somebody who like is, uh, you know, is, is making, I know, I know clients that make $2 billion and they spend almost $2 billion. $2 billion, right? yep. So, so it's like people live in that world. And for me, I'm in the sport of supporting entrepreneurs and making money and the profit from doing that. And the thing is, is that, that from a business perspective, I'm always looking at that. So I'm looking, okay, you know, what is, what is profitability look like? Is profitability down? It's down. What's going on here? And then I start to look and follow, you know, and follow the, uh, you know, the, the, the cookie trail. So, and then my personal life, it comes down to I'm somebody who has, you know, has, has dealt with anxiety disorder for a majority of my life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things for me is like I look at things that I either am like super stoked to do or like I find myself dragging my ass for. Um, and I'll give you a quick example of my health as an example. Like in 2020. I was home. I was drinking like a fish on the couch with my wife. We were like working remotely, uh, yeah, remotely, and I put on like thirty pounds right during COVID. And and what's wild is it was a slow progression because before that I was flying here, driving here, traveling, traveling, doing this, doing that, whatever, building the business. And so I was just like, dude, I was like fucking skin and bones. And I think uh, I was at like two thirty, you know, two hundred thirty pounds. Am I am I biggest and I was working out, I was doing stuff and like the weight was just not coming off. And so for me, I took an inventory. I'm like, all right, I hate how I feel. It feels sluggish as hell. And for me, the first thing I did was, which I always go to is who's the expert that can help me, right? Cause I'm not helping myself. Mm-hmm. So I went out, we, we hired like the top, um, one of the top people in the city, in New York city for like, just like weight loss, health, overall nutrition. And she taught me one bad lesson I just want to throw out here because, you know, again, with those cats, bro, I'm glad you didn't lose those legs. Yep. Those things are badass. Thank you. But, <laughs> but literally, she said to me, she goes, I just want to give this gold nugget for you guys that are listening to have stubborn fat or stuff. She's like, what's your diet? And I gave her my diet. And she goes, most people don't realize this. And she's a very holistic person. She goes, most people don't realize this. But men were, were literally engineered to be hunter-gatherers. So she goes, you shouldn't be eating breakfast. And in some cases, you shouldn't even be eating lunch. You should be eating less because you're eating too much. And that changed everything. So I started working out and fast, fasted workouts. Yep. Like I'm big into boxing. Yep. So I started, I started doing my fasted workouts. And then fast forward, dude, in like literally, I think it was like a few months, I dropped weight. Now like I'm back to like what I was in, almost like right after high school. But the thing is, it's like, so for me, I take those inventories and then I, I find the expert, right? I don't want to waste time. And I think... Do you know? Do you know who? Um, um, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Ray Dalio is. Yes, of course. Okay, so so Ray Dalio um, says something that I love, and he says, "When I'm going through something, I want to have somebody who has been through the jungle a million times show me 
not myself because I can get bit, I can get this, or somebody who's less experienced than me. I want the person with the experience. So anyway, that's why I like, at my company every year just to do an inventory on both my, my business and my, myself. Like for instance, right now, you know, Unilever and Mars, those massive, you know, corporate, the Procter Gamble. So the former VP uh, of, of global marketing at Unilever, who was there for 30 years, we just hired him and he's like working with us and coaching us. And we're about to get this guy on our board. And like, I'm doing that because like, I want, I want somebody who is at the highest level to be running with me and to keep me at that level. Right. So if I was playing basketball, you know, at Jordan's time, I want Jordan on the team. Right. So it's like, to me, that is how I stay in that lane and keep just elevating what I'm doing and keeping myself aware is high. Yo, so I'm going to, I'm going to summarize some of this because I want to hear, I want to say for people listening what I heard, because like first, like when we talked about Mm -hmm. even like you know, netting in business, right? Like we hear about yeah. lifestyle creep, right? You build this business and you have a lifestyle, you got to keep up with it, but it happens in the business as well, right? And one of the easiest ways to navigate and mitigate that is to have self-awareness, right? Being aware that like this is a long game and this is business. And then by having that self-awareness, you then mm-hmm. utilize that to surround yeah. yourself with people because you're self-aware, knowing that they're a step ahead or have walked it before, and then you're a giant product of your environment around you. You invest in yourself, but you invest in those people. But you're actually only able to do it, not because it's easy, but because you're aware and you're able to sit right. with the emotions and sit with the feelings of like, oh, crap, something isn't working. Okay, cool. And we look at right. it. We do an inventory of it, right, which is kind of the key. And, and you mentioned anxiety. And, and I, I want to talk about this for a minute because I think I hear all too often and I get questions all the time and people just assume because you hit a certain level of business or a certain level of success that the feelings go away. And what I try to tell them is that they're amplified. You just have a better relationship with them and you know when to put them in the driver's seat and you know when to put them in the passenger seat, right? So right. what was like that big shift? Because like I know in growing your business and doing all of this and having this, like you, especially with anxiety disorder, like we're sitting there like, with anxiety, like what do you feel like or what do you think was like one of the biggest breakthroughs or how did you navigate that now to be able to have that relationship but also know that the feelings are going to come and when you add more revenue and more stress and more complexity, it's going to come. And so how do you navigate? How do you manage that? Like what is that like for you? I I was one of those people that thought that like once I finally started making money when I was like 17, I was like, oh, like all my issues are going to go away. Um, And dude, I mean, it's not the case. Like you said, I mean, literally, like, when I met my wife, my biggest breakthroughs when I met my wife, I had, like, my, you know, she, she never knew. I was, like, my, my anxiety coach, we call him. But when I, when I found my anxiety coach, you know, I was, um, actually, let me take a step back. My, I was with my wife at the time for, I think, like, four or maybe three or four years. And we're at her dad's birthday party. And... I'm sitting there and everyone always knows me as like super charismatic, like talking, social, like busting chops, like having a good time. And I had a long day at work, just got back, was feeling like shit. And, um, and I was off, like, and everyone kept asking, I was feeling anxious and everyone kept asking me like, what's up? Like, you're not eating, like, you okay? Like, you're quiet. And like, they were just calling me out on it. Like, cause they were genuinely concerned. It was making me worse. Cause I'm like, damn, they're noticing, seeing And, and I want to... After we were at Threshold, I was going back to her, um, her her parents' house. And at that point in time, I just wanted to go home. I was like, I feel like crap. I was going to go home. And 
I had my probably biggest like anxiety like meltdown at that moment. And this was like, yeah, this was years ago. Oh my gosh, this was almost like seven years ago. And I went online because up until that point, I was terrified to speak to any sort of therapist or whatever because I thought they were going to tell me something really wrong with me. John, your brain's broken. Or, hey, you know, you need to take medication. And I didn't want to do that. Like, I grew up in a household where my mom was always like, you got a headache? Just drink water, you'll be fine. Like, you know, just, you know, just go lay down or something. But we, she never resorted to like, just, you know, like, always take medication and stuff. So like, I, I embodied that. And so like, I didn't want, I felt like, and again, I'm not saying anything's wrong with medication. Totally. A lot of people. Um, but my journey has been, I, I did not want to go that way. So I called like 30 therapists or, or, or psychologists, whatever. And the first question they asked the phone, hello, do you guys prescribe medication? They said, depends, maybe this, hang up, hang up, hang up. 30 in, I find my anxiety coach, Ken. Right? I sit down with this guy. Anyway, you know. We wound up going through stuff, but the biggest thing I learned, back to your question, and, and George, I'm a freaking rambler, dude. So oh, bro, me. I love it. No, no, I got so. you. I'll put a <laughs> container around you all day. This is gold. So, but, but what I, the biggest relationship that has made me, and it's, it's still a journey. I think it's an endless mountaintop for most people, right? And, but what I learned that's helped me the best was three things. If I get good rest, right? I'm going to be in a way better position the next day. Secondly, if I meditate, right? I meditate religiously, religiously. Um, and, and have my, because I have a whole morning ritual that I do with all my stuff. Like I have to hit that. And then when thirdly, when I work out, right? Yep. And when I do those three things and, and I accept it, I think there's, there's a book that, um, that also changed the game for me. Um, and it was called, um, it was by Claire Weeks. And she wrote the book in like the 70s and 80s before anxiety was called anxiety. Back then it was called a nervous illness. Mm. But she cracked the code in the 70s and 80s to holistically fix it. And it's like like hope and my goodness, I'm forgetting it. Actually, hold on. Um, I literally bring it with me now, dude, everywhere I go. I love and it. And I, I read it from time to time. Oh, here you go. So it's, it's hope and help to your For your um, nerves. Hope and help for your nerves. Yep. And anxiety now. Open up her clear week. She's she passed, but she's a pioneer in anxiety before it was called anxiety, and in a male-dominated time where it wasn't like it is now, where, where you know females are like, oh yeah, you know the best, whatever. Like, what's this nerve? She's looked at and, and, and knocked down at first, but then obviously became you know champion. So the thing is, I think I changed my relationship with how I viewed it and understanding what it's doing. So like the meditation, when I meditate and do that stuff, I'm good, right? And I'll have moments, but like that. In a, in a nutshell, those three things, you know, paired with ch changing the way I look at anxiety, right? Because, like, a lot of times we think about things that are not, like, comfortable, right? Like anxiety or depression or things like that. And we say to ourselves, like, well, why do I have this? Or this is annoying. Or this, and, and sometimes, dude, it's, it is, like, it's, it's debilitating for some people, right? Yep. And the thing is, though, is that when you change your relationship with it, and it's not easy to do that. I wanted to share that right now. It's a lot easier said than done. But when you start to think differently and change your relationship with it, understand the biometrics and what is happening inside of you, you have mm -hmm. anxiety or depression, it helps you better work with it. So for me, that and that book and you know those three things have been my key well, you'll, to you'll, stay on track. You'll appreciate this. One of the things that I say to my clients, and I've said it for years, is anxiety is energy lacking clarity. 
Yeah. So, all it yeah. is, right? That's fucking fire. And then, That's fire. And then here's, here's how I know it. And this is how I teach it when I used to keynote on that. When I just do talk about mindset, I'd be like, all right, cool. How many people in here have ever like ridden a roller coaster, right? And everyone like puts their hands up, right? Or been skydiving or bungee jumping, right? They're like, right. yeah. I'm like, do you remember the feeling? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, tell me the feeling. And they're like, God, it was like this pit in my stomach, this nervousness, like this weight in my chest, right? I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm like, awesome. Cool. Remember that. And I'm like, all right, amazing. How many of you have ever been in a car accident or near into a car accident? And they're like, oh, hands go up. I'm like, what was the feeling? And they're like, oh, shit. I'm like, the feeling is different. I mean, the feeling is the same, but the situation and how we choose to see it changes the experience, but the energy is identical. And so actually for those listening to the podcast, by the way, because this is a man of success and listening, uh, you might remember, I don't know, six episodes or so where I talk about our sacred light keeper quadrants where you have to earn the right to work. And that starts with moving your physical body, setting your mindset right, and then actually getting into your future by meditating or future self-journaling because it is number one. We are the only biological creatures that don't have a natural ability to drain our lymphatic system. And that's what movement and sweating does for us, which none of you listening can ever tell me that you've been having a bad day. You've been overwhelmed and you went to the gym for five minutes and didn't immediately have clarity, but you just have to move that energy. And so I actually want to give credence and weight to what you're saying, because our goal, and this is for my listeners, our job is not to eradicate Mm -hmm. or eliminate the emotions. It's to build a relationship with them give them a cup of coffee and tell them to sit the fuck down and shut up because I have to drive irregardless of how I feel. And <laughs> right. that, that is like the end game of the goal. And so, yeah, man, you can ramble all day because this is just straight fire coming out of your mouth. Now I know the, can, end- I, can I add it? Please can I add a tweet to your energy statement. Yeah. I love it. What I read in Claire's book, which again, if anybody has anxiety that wants to, like, oh, I'm buying that book today. How it works. I will buy that book Dude, today. I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, it's a game changer. But she shares that it's misplaced adrenaline. Yep. That's running through your body. Yep. Right? So that energy is in the form of adrenaline. So your adrenal glands yep. are opening their seeping because your body is feeling like there's a reason to be scared or yep. nervous. Yep. And so it's adrenaline without clarity. And I thought of that just because as a it's crazy. It's a great saying. Yep. And and it's adrenaline lacking clarity. When you think about car accidents or those things, what's actually happening all over our bodies is adrenaline's rushing through us yep. to get through those experiences, right? Yep. And sometimes with anxiety, that's what it's doing. It's it's giving a, it's giving you adrenaline because your 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 nervous system sharing to your brain and your body, hey, throw this out there. We're about to get into fight or flight mode up there. Um and so, you know, it's battling, it's not battling, it's, it's based on what Claire says, it's being calm through it and letting it pass and flow, flow past it, but definitely get that book to you. So, well, and I have a book for you ready because what Tell you're me, talking please. about and this, this is why I do, I could talk to you all day. This is dangerous, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. Um, one of the big things that I, I'm sure you're aware of this, but you're a master of is that you have the self-awareness and the capacity to control when you get triggered in an anxiety to allow the space to clear so you can go yeah. back from sympathetic to parasympathetic, which allows you to respond, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. that's a, a level of, of mastery that is there because with what you're saying and everybody listening, I don't know if you've heard this when John was answering, but when he was answering the question about like, well, when things change or when things get hard, it wasn't, oh, I have an idea. I'm going to re- react immediately because my adrenaline is up. It was like, oh, something's not working. 
I'm going to take a peek at, do a current inventory, and allow myself to navigate the field, which is what creates peace for that adrenaline to come back into your parasympathetic nervous system, i.e. rest and digest, and then be clear-headed and make a plan to execute to move forward. But the gap in between that is, yeah. is uh, there's an incredible book by an author called Scott Carney. He's coming on the podcast. It's called The Wedge. And it is an entire mm. book dedicated to the gap between trigger and response and how to master mm. it. And it's something that I feel like you would benefit from massively wedge. speaking. Right yeah, right it's called The Wedge um, by Scott Carney. And so, you know, listening to you and like hearing you and, and, and even hearing you answer questions, like it's really easy for me to see you know, why people would want to work with you, why clients would want to work for you. But like, I know culture is a big, big, big thing for you. And I feel like in the day and age, me, like you and I work with the same clients. I consult them on customer journey. You consult them on revenue. Right. But I see the same things as like, they talk culture, but it's do as I say, not as I be a whole lot of times. And we forget that the people that are executing are really the ones that have to embody what we believe in more than anything. And so with you, right. like, what is so important? Like, how do you go about creating this culture, this this culture of people? And I know leading by example is one of them. But like, what are yeah. some of the important things that you think matter when it comes to culture, whether you're a solopreneur with one VA, whether you're a solopreneur and you're getting outsourced and hiring you, or whether you have a team of like 100? Like, how do you see culture? Do you think it's as important as I do? And like, how do you go about navigating that and creating it? Listen, we're, 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 we're right under 100 at Adapting Social. And when I look at the beginning phase, I'll give you an example. So I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser, okay? So I, I use the words recovering because viscerally, if I'm going to have a tough conversation with somebody, everything in me is like, all right, be nice. Like, take care. Like, don't say this. Don't do this. Whatever. Like, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's uncomfortable for me, naturally, right? So for... For the beginning of my first few years of my journey as, as a leader, you know, I was always so caring and tender of this and that. And if somebody fucked up over and over and over and over again, I was always like, it's all right, listen, we're going to figure this out. We're good, we're good, we're good. You know, and I think the biggest thing that I had to learn, so the difference between my culture, you know, 15 years ago to today, present day, 2023, you know, is that I... Don't, I'm not here in my organizations anymore to be liked, right? And I'm gonna, I don't, and that sounds really controversial, but I'm gonna get to the point is it's for results. And I surround myself now with people who want to get results. And I remove people who don't get results or don't want to get results. And I've created a culture now of a performance based culture with what we call a DDO, which means that we're a deliberately developmental organization, right? We're DDO. So it means that if something goes wrong, I'm not like, yo, you're fired. Fuck out, right? If something goes wrong, I have the same thought process as before, but a higher expectation and clear expectation. Where before I was just a nice guy. And what I realized that I wasn't getting, people didn't respect me. They knew I was soft, like downy fresh soft, right? Like they were like, this guy is like, I can walk all over him, whatever. He's so nice. He's this, he's that. And then we're not getting results as a company and, you know, they're not happy because they're not growing in the company. So once I shifted my culture from being, haha, we're all happy, we all love each other, fake toxic positivity, because I was the king of fake toxic positivity back then. Um, and it shifted to 
guys, let's just be, let's have super high integrity. Let's have fun and be so creative and let's get results. And when I've shifted to that world, everything is so much better because now we're getting results for our clients. Yeah. You know, we're getting results in turn. Our team is growing tremendously, right? And everyone loves what they're doing as opposed to then when everybody had high vibes, high culture, 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 you know, it shifted from people quitting like our churn rate, you know, back in the day was so freaking high, man. And, you know, now it's way better. And so for me, culture is everything, but I look at it so differently. I look at it like, I care about you, George, and I want to see you succeed. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire and I'm going to be there with you. I'm not going to ask you anything I wouldn't do. And most of the stuff we're going to do together. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to, I'm going to focus on getting the best performance around you. And the one thing that I love is that my executive team and my leadership team, um, it's about close to 15 people. And in those two leadership teams that we have from executive leadership, literally what I hear about my leaders is they push me to my best performance. And that's the culture that we have. Because you know what? You're growing, you're learning, you're stretching. And just like anxiety, our culture is about one thing. It's about progress. But it took me a long time to figure out the formula to progress, right? And a lot of different people like Tony Robbins and this person, that person. But pain plus reflection is progress, right? Yep. Because when you look at what happened, even an anxiety attack or whatever, if you're out there and you got one, don't just go home and sulk. Think about what happened. Think about what made you anxious. If you're in a, if you're in a business setting and you know things aren't going the way you want to go, Okay, let's, let's let's look at the pain, let's reflect, and let's move forward, right? So I think those are the things for me yeah. about culture that have shifted. And I want, like, every, there's not one person in my company, not one, that I would not genuinely go out and get a beer with or genuinely go out and, like, actually chill with. Like, we have great people, and we do surround ourselves like that. But just wanted to share those two distinctions. Yeah, no. Those early phase companies, you know. I, I love it. I'm a, toxic positivity. Yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it because, you know, for everybody listening, like I can hear it from outside the pill bottle and I can also see it, right? Like what it, what it sounds right. like for me is that, number one, um, you're completely congruent with how you speak and what you demand, right? So it's not yeah. lead by doing what I say. Like you lead by example. Like you've been in the weeds. You'll get in the work with them, right? But then also what it sounds like is the biggest culture shift was creating a shared vision and allowing people to commit to that vision while also feeling empowered to execute it and support it along the way, but held accountable if they fell out of that process, which creates endowment and family and a deep connection at a level because it's not relegated to like, I'm just doing this. It's an outcome right. that you're protected and everybody has a voice and everybody has a part and everybody can contribute and communicate. And that that's fucking huge. Like that, that's huge. And, and you know, earlier when yeah. we were talking about, you know, the mindset, you're like, okay, and it's not easy. And I think what the undertow of all of this is, is that whether it's culture, whether it's mindset, whether it's learning a skill set, Easy or hard has never been there, but consistency and congruency are the secret, right? It's doing the things consistently that you know, regardless of, irregardless of how you feel, that when you right. titrate them up and you make those deposits, that the trailing result is going to be positive. And, and we know all day that when you're in the middle and you have a high client like Ferrari or like some of mine like Adidas and something breaks, it's so easy to want to be like, well, who the fuck? And you're like, no, this is us, right? It's not you, it's us. And everything is on us. And so it creates this shared culture where everyone's like, oh, got it. We're a team. We fumbled 
And yes, there were this amount of us on the field and we're all responsible because this is our culture and this is what we demand and this is what we stand for. But it gives everybody a self-measure and something to be committed to and greater that allows them to move forward. I love it, man. Like I, I think it's absolutely incredible. And earlier yeah. when you were talking about mindset for everybody listening too, even if you're listening and I've, I'm, I'm breaking the fourth wall a bit, but even if you're listening to like John speak about this, right? Like the weight loss, like for example, man, like I've, I was bulimic for 15 years, right? Like I was sexually wow. abused as a kid. And the only time I ever felt control as a kid after that happened was I would have so much anger in my body but I never wanted to hurt anybody. So the only way I knew how to get it out was to hurt myself. So I would binge eat and then I would purge because it made me feel like I was in control. To fast forward mm. to like being an active duty Marine and leading Marines in Afghanistan. And then in between missions, I was in a porta potty, like purging. And this was like at the wow. height of like my career, right? And so my weight and everything was up and down for nice. years, yo yo, right? Like I'm 5'7 and at my heaviest, bro, I was 275. Uh, don't, rec- wow. don't recommend that. But this year is really, yeah no and and I'm not joking this year is 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 crazy because I teach this stuff and I do this stuff but also at every level of business at every pivot there's new lessons right there's new demons there's a new dragon to slay and something shifted for me this time and and even in just highlighting the power of your morning routine and mine I realized that I fell victim to doing my morning routine rather than embodying it for quite a few mm. years and come yeah come the beginning of this year, a few things shifted and I caught it and I, I just adjusted it a little bit, but then here's, what's really, really funny. I got on the scale one day and I'd lost 30 pounds and I didn't know where it went. And I was like, what the fuck? And now I'm 40 years old. I don't have a structured workout. I don't have a structured diet and I have a six pack and it's effortlessly, but it's because of the embodiment and the consistency of that routine. But more importantly, not what was in the routine that I kept the routine irregardless of how I felt. And I was willing to make adjustments inside of it. And so for people listening to this, like the things that John has shared on this podcast alone are literally the plays that belong in the playbook that pretty much guarantee success. But the success doesn't come because you do the actions. The success comes because you continue to do it irregardless of the results. And that's what creates them. And I just wanted to say that for a minute because I, I I've fallen victim to being the paradox of the work, right. And teaching the work and being like, Oh, you know, what's missing. But the, even talking to you, like the reminders to like go in, right. And to be self-aware and to be willing to look at the situation and say, where can I grow and, and where can I shift and where can I audit, man? Like, I, I think it's, it's, it's super, super powerful. So, um, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't actually ask people this, but you are so, Fire. so educated. You are so well-read. You have dropped so many books, but like, if you had to throw out like what some of your favorite books were or some of your favorite resources to learn from, like I can hear how much you consume knowledge. Like, what would you say are like some of your all-time favorites that you like recommend to people? And it can be anything, any area, anything, but I actually want to write them down and buy them. So, so before I do that, I just want to preface it with one thing for everybody out there that is watching this that could relate i feel you on this but i was in all so i'm when you, you said you're educated and i love that you said that because for me my i was in all remedial classes growing up meaning like in the the, the rooms that i was in had an eight in it like you know and all that shit like you know so literally that was my world right so like here you say that's awesome and but um my top threes easily and i read them 
every single year. Um, and, I, and some of them I bring with me when I travel to go places that we read it because, you know, I heard the saying, it's fucking, everything's cliche now because of the internet, but it's like, you know, when you read something over and over again, right? Like Think and Grow Rich is probably one of the biggest ones for me because Tony Robbins, you know, um, uh, uh, what's this other guy's name? Um, Drone Blank right now. Um, Tony Robbins and what's his show? It'll come back to me. But um, they talked about how they read that book. And like that was like the founding book in America for personal development. Napoleon Hill was like a, was like a founding person. He was like, Tony, he was like the first Tony Robbins yep. of the 1900s, right? Yep. And, and so like that for me is one. And that book, for anybody here who has read it, it's a serious playbook to essentially win and influence and understand like you and how you can fit into society and become successful. Like he gives you, and what I like about it is it's from the 1930s. Yep. But the same things apply. Winning and influencing people to get in front of people. You know that exactly. The second one for me is Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. Yep. I just love that book. And it makes you realize everything that you're capable of with the limiting beliefs you have. And it shoves the limiting beliefs in a fucking corner. Um, and then the third one for me is, and I don't know why I'm forgetting this gentleman's name at the moment. Um, I'm drawing a blank at this guy right now. He actually just passed away last year. Um, Do you Bob know the Proctor. Bob oh, yeah, Proctor, Bob Proctor. Bob Proctor. Love Bob Proctor. Yep. Um, um, I've always been so bad with time and being on point with like my schedule. Um, I used to always be late everywhere I went. But Brian Tracy, the third one is Brian Tracy, not Bob Proctor. Um, and it's, uh, it's essentially a time management book. And it's a very small read. Um, but literally, um, let me look it up. This I one, got it. I got it. You keep going. Okay. Um, so that one, those three are for me, the, the main ones. It's actually, um, it's, a, it's actually called time management from Brian Tracy. Okay. Right. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, is it that simple? But yes, that's the book. It is that simple. The, but, but what I'll add into, so currently what I'm reading right now, right? So I'll give you my currents. So I already told you about the, the hope and anxiety one. Yep. And again, these go, when I'm reading a book, these go where I go. Second one is what got you here. Won't not get, you get you there. there. That's a good one, this by the book, way. This is a good book. Um, and then thirdly, um, right now, and this is actually a reread, um, but scaling up, mastering the Rockefeller Bernie. Habits. Um, Burn, yeah. So Uncle V, Uncle V. Uncle V. But, but yeah, so anyway, so so those are the three currents that I'm reading right now. I love it, man. You actually, um, you actually might appreciate this. I, uh, one of my dear friends, Garen Jones, who's an incredible human, incredible entrepreneur, but he was locked in a f- federal prison in France and was sentenced to like 11 oh years. God. But um, wow. he's a dear friend and he shared this with me. And, and, and for everybody listening in the audience too, I didn't read my first book until like seven years ago, right? And now I've Dude, probably same. read or listened same. to thousands. And I've had quite a few teachers teach me like how to read. Number one, big lesson I learned. I thought that every time I picked up a book, I had to finish it. But one of my friends was like, if you pick it up and you're not interested, just put it down. Go on to the next and find another one. That was it. But but this thing with Garen, he he said this for me, and I will never forget this. And he said, the mistake that people make is most people read books to remember. I mm. read books until it becomes who I am. And he reread mm. the power of positive thinking almost a hundred mm. times. And in the prison that he was in, 
changed his behaviors to not be a victim, started running workouts, empowering people, speaking into people, and then they commuted his sentence and released him like a couple years in. And this does not happen. There are no retrials in France. There is no anything. And he was an American dude smuggling. And like that has never, ever, wow. ever left me. And so I say that because now it's so funny because everyone's like, what are you reading? I'm like the same book I read last year, except I read it every month and I read it and I read it and I read it. And uh, I think you'll appreciate this quote too, because this was one, I had a shaman, a shaman say this to me of all people, because I was like, I know this already. I know this. And he looked me dead in the eye and he's like, a student says I already know and a master says thanks for the reminder. And that mm. changed Let's go. everything for Dude. me because when you think about it, and I love that you alluded to this, like the reason I teach principles in customer journey in marketing and in mindset is because they're the things that stand the test of time. They're the fortune cookies that have always worked. And we right. lose the game when we think that there's another way to get strong besides squat, deadlift, and bench instead of just actually squatting, deadlifting, and benching to a level of mastery. Right. And like, bro... You are like a walking example of this. And it like makes my fucking heart happy to like hear and to see and to be able to share like sacred air with you and like a, a mm. deep, 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 deep level. Uh, and I have one more question for you. But before I ask it, uh, I'm going to have him give us his Instagram handle in a minute, everybody. But here's my uh, not my ask. Here's my tell. Connect with him on Instagram. Follow him. Get into the osmosis. You pick any of the books he recommended. One of them will also say you are who you surround yourself with. And a lot of this, including the book that he's reading right now, what got you there will not get you there. What got you here will not get you there. Is just about you understanding and being able to taste and see that there's a paradigm different than where you are, but you have to see it before you can build to get to it. And by following mm -hmm. people like John and consuming his content, you're going to start to have cracks in your paradigm. And if you read that book, um, what got you here won't get you there and you want the manual on how to build it, go to Benjamin Hardy and read Personality Isn't Permanent and it is a roadmap on how to embody what you read in that book. And so what's your Instagram? Because I want everybody to go. We'll put it in the show notes. I'll send it out. But what is it? Yeah, so it's at VJohnny, V-J-O-H-N-Y, one N. Okay, so VJohnny, V-J-O-H-N-Y? Yep. Yeah, okay, got it. So VJohnny on Instagram. So then... Here's my question. You know, it's funny. I have to thank you. I used to ask this question all the time and I, and I, I stopped asking it, but this one just feels very, very pertinent right now. So you remember the movie men in black where they like flash yeah. the thing and they like forget their memory. Totally. Okay. So I want you to assume that we just flashed everybody on this podcast and they don't remember a word that you said, but right now, yeah, whatever you leave them with is going to get tattooed on their soul and they're going to take it with them forever. What would be your tattoo wisdom for everybody listening? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Glad you're sitting down. <laughs> this is this is my life quote, dude. I found it when I was 17, but I live by this. So if you take anything away from me, take this. And if you're gonna do anything worthy in life, right? And that mean maybe that might be monetary, maybe that might be in your career, maybe that might be being a stay-at-home mom or dad, or maybe that might be, you know, building this nonprofit to help people with cancer or you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? Anything worthy. Right, you are going to have to live a lot of years, a few years of your life that most people won't. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you'll get to spend the rest of your life like most people can't. And so, take that, unpack that how you will, 
but it is literally forever. Like when I, when I started AS and I went to, um, you know, I was in my parents' house, obviously I felt, I was like, I wanted to find a quote. I found that it's by unknown. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I found it and I printed it and I put it in my parents, you know, next to my bed, I put it on my ceiling. So when I went to bed, I woke up, I looked at it. It was in my bath, my parents' bathroom, right in my basement. So I had my own bathroom. Um, and so every day I woke up and I saw that. I knew every time I'm going to struggle before I'm going to ever emerge, right? It's part of the science, part of the formula. The formula is struggle, pain, reflection, pivot, you know, get better, right? And so that saying to me is what helped me. And, and, and the one thing I do want to say too is, dude, it's so important. I'm sure you know this, but it's so important that whatever you're going to do, that you have the right spouse with you doing it. And, and I literally, my wife is, is my everything. She's literally such as my rock. But that saying, when we moved, I'm like a damn gypsy, George. Yep. I, I move like every so often, right? So, so in one of the moves, I lost that, the, that original paper that I had from like, you know, 15 or whatever years ago. And one day I'm in my closet and she hung it back up for me one day. I didn't tell her to, didn't ask her to. She just found, it, found the exact quote online, printed it exactly how it was. And then both put it in my closet. One day I came home and I saw it and, we, and she put a little note next to it saying, you know, like how much I'm a great husband and you know, how much she believes in me and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, damn. But like, you know what? You need people like that around you so that when you are going through the struggle, when you are living your life, like people don't want to, meaning the hard work, missing birthdays, you know, working hard, getting yelled at by clients, failing at certain things, getting back up, you know, whatever. You have a person like next to you, like that, that supports you, that's there for you. It wants to support and jump in and help you in any way. It makes those few years that are struggling, right? Yep. Way, way more achievable. And, and not achievable, more palatable, if you will, and better. Dude, um, I love it. Yeah, that's what I would say. I love it. And um, yeah, for everybody listening, by the way, what, what John's talking about, if you don't have a spouse, that whole podcast I did on the SOS method, the inner circle is nine people who hold you accountable to your potential but don't believe your story. That's why you build them. That's why you have them. And dude, the similarities, by the way, every toilet in every house and every place I am, my office everywhere, there's one quote about the old Cherokee with the two wolves in your head. The one about fear, Mm. anger, depression, guilt, and the one about love, joy, love, joy, happiness, abundance. And the young son asked the grandfather, he said, well, which one wins? And he said, whichever one you feed. And it hangs above every single toilet in every property that I spend time at because environmental design is the secret, man. You surround yourself with all the things and you tune in. And so for everybody listening, just if I had to be a broken record anymore about environmental design, about having a mindset, about meditating, about doing the work and being self-aware, about the power of consistency, here's a gleaming example embodied in front of you spitting it back to you because no one's going to listen to me anyways they'll listen to you which i love so go for it get it into practice but man like honestly like i just want to say thank you like thank you for being the work thank you for being an incredible husband a father a leader being so open vulnerable and like really so resilient to keep going and to show people there's a path man like this was truly truly an honor to do this podcast dude same here and listen i'm a big believer that time is the last time we don't get back so the fact that i get to spend it with you you know, and your energy and, you know, your mission here, what you do in the world 
you know, I'm just grateful that we get to, you know, share share a stage with this together, man. And, and I'm always, you know, happy to be a part of it. I feel like we might have to do an ancestry thing because I just got off a call before this and I end it with all. And just so everybody knows, time is the one asset that I can't give back to you and you chose to spend it with me. And so I, I, I have the most amount of gratitude from the bottom of my heart. I feel like I might be afraid to run our ancestry. and I feel like I have some Jersey stuff in me, but other than that, I know you're not from there originally, but either way. We're good. So, so for everybody listening, um, do me a favor, make sure you connect with them on Instagram. It's V Johnny. He spelt it out for you. And at minimum, just shoot him a, shoot him some love, shoot him some gratitude. Just say, thank you. Speak into him, get in tuned, take these reminders and remember that there's something on this show today, something you heard, write it on a sticky note and let that be the one thing. Take that one thing and put it into practice and put it into progress. And once it becomes a behavior, grab the next one. But that's the way that this work is done. And trust me, Johnny probably gave you about 70 sticky notes alone. So take them, put them into practice, embodiment, and you will be there before you know it. So this has been another episode of the Mind of George Show. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially and now with even more edification the one with yourself, because when you invest in that, everything else wins. So we'll see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your ear bowls. But either way, we're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.